A Marisca tá cabula e a caprota bala Ai, ai, e comprociona toro bala E a água sachala toro bate pessoas com crudite E aí o mocinho sabe se acorre e o Escadura na bula, ore com seu pela Gilete de popó, virio e ato na rondela Vou na troca, pia na bula, como está lá, tais a bula Até percorre, ele chuca e é como está lá, tais a bula And the unmistakable and inimitable Ron Kahoot and Budia from Toronto with Luluchka Kolomeka Pipe Smoke. Dobry den, Shanovni Radio Suchachi, Tavitayovas Sikh Naradu Predachu Nash Holos Radio Kriskoho Korinya, Nachveli CHLY Stoideni CMFM Umistina Naimo. Primekrofonitsu Hodenu Yepavlina, a Pislitsoho Oksanu Budizvame, Nestupin Pifodene. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Paulette Demchuk-McQuarrie, Bukarinska Pavlina, and I'll be your host for this first hour. And Oksana will be along at 12 noon to host the rest of the show in Ukrainian. Coming up in this hour, some news about an exciting event, the Canadian premiere and virtual film screening of a documentary film by a young American filmmaker by the name of Matei Selecki. And this is a film called Baba Babis Kazala, a documentary about Ukrainian children torn from their homes and living as refugees during the Second World War. And we spoke with the director just as he was finalizing the film, and we'll bring you that interview again, as well as details about the screening, which you can catch virtually. So stay tuned for that. We've also got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next, the Kubasonics from Newfoundland now, originally from Edmonton. And here they are now with a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Kalena.
Zydeco twist on a traditional Ukrainian folk song that was performed by Kalena from Winnipeg from their CD Sim 7, and that was Tezhichko Moya Zydeco, My Destiny. We're going to keep up the fast pace, so don't uh, take off those dancing boots just yet. We've got Zhito next from Calgary and Ivanku, Johnny. Ivanku, 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 Ivan
the Hudaki Village Band from Ukraine with a traditional Ukrainian woodcutter's dance from the Hutsul Mountains, the Arkan. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Hava Nagila. The words are Hebrew for let us rejoice. They also comprise the title of one of the most recognizable and well-known songs in the world. And little did I know just how appropriate a theme song it would turn out to be for a radio series called Ukrainian Jewish Heritage. This Jewish folk song with a catchy melody is known and sung in countless countries around the world. It has been adapted to just about every imaginable musical genre. Some people have a love-hate relationship with the song, but you'll be hard-pressed to find anyone who has never heard of it. What is not so well known is that this catchy melody actually originated in Ukraine, and that the catchy melody is actually a nigun, a wordless prayer melody sung by Hasidic Jews since the mid-1800s. Equally unknown is the amazing journey of this song from a shtetl in Ukraine into the world of pop culture. I don't actually recall when I first heard it, probably on Ed Sullivan or some other variety TV show popular in the 1960s and 70s when I was growing up. I do recall getting the lyrics and guitar chords from a friend in high school, but I didn't even know what language the words were in. Hava Nagila still fascinates me today. Every time I hear it, something resonates with me. Oddly, it seems to fill a void and never fails to lift my mood. To be honest, that was the case even before I knew what the words Hava Nagila meant, and years later, after I forgot what they meant. Recently, I became fascinated with the story behind the song. It started a few years ago in Lviv. A Ukrainian man, who could perhaps be called a born-again Hasidic Jew, mentioned in passing that Hava Nagila had Ukrainian roots. My immediate thought was, I knew it. I could tell something about it was Ukrainian. After all, I do know a thing or two about Ukrainian music. My friend's claim about Hava Nagila being Ukrainian definitely piqued my curiosity. So I did a bit of online research, just to satisfy it. I didn't find much online. But I did find out that I was not the only curious soul looking for answers about this song. Lucky for me, and anyone else curious about it, I found my answers in Hava Nagila the movie. Produced and directed by award-winning American filmmaker Roberta Grossman, Hava Nagila the Movie is a documentary romp through the history, mystery, and meaning of this ubiquitous Jewish standard. Hava Nagila the Movie is as entertaining as it is informative. It not only details the song's origins in Ukraine, it also details its journey to become a pop culture sensation around the world. Or, as producer and director Roberta Grossman puts it, from Ukraine to YouTube. To learn about the song's beginnings, Roberta Grossman and her team traveled to Ukraine. There she spoke with Ukrainian-speaking locals in the birthplace of Hava Nagila, a town called Sadagora in Bukovina. She looked for Jews living there, but found none. She did, however, find the ruins of a once-great synagogue, and, as luck would have it, at the same time a descendant of the famous rabbi connected with it. From there, the movie chronicles the song's journey to Palestine, where the lyrics for Hava Nagila were written. Then came the world wars, 
the Holocaust, and the identity crisis of an entire people in post-traumatic shock. But Jews are nothing if not resilient. And while a simple song can hardly take credit for their resilience, maybe it can be credited with symbolizing it. Hava Nagila the movie makes a strong argument for that claim. Featuring interviews with pop culture icons like Harry Belafonte, Connie Francis, Glenn Campbell, Leonard Nimoy, and others, the film reveals the layers of cultural complexity with humor, depth, and heart. It also explores the spiritual aspects of the song with well-known and respected American rabbis. It has been a fascinating journey from Ukraine to YouTube with Hava Nagila, says director Roberta Grossman. I believe we managed to thread the needle between heart and humor, emotion and entertainment, resulting in an unexpectedly deep and compelling meditation on the tragedies, triumphs and joys in the modern Jewish journey. While the filmmakers may see YouTube as the end of the song's journey, I think it's possible that Hava Nagila may have come full circle. If you do a search on YouTube for Hava Nagila in Ukraine, you will come up with quite an interesting collection of performances on the stages and streets of towns and cities across the country. And I dare say, there are probably many more that didn't make it onto YouTube. You can find links to some of these YouTube videos at the Nasholos website and blog. You can also find links to where you can purchase or rent Hava Nagila the movie. I highly recommend watching this movie and sharing it with friends and family. It will make you laugh, possibly cry, but without a doubt, it is a story that will leave you amazed as well as amused. I'm Pavlina, host of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I hope you enjoyed this story about Hava Nagila. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com.
blast from the past that was Tommy Buick with Havanagila. Ви слухаєте наш голос Радіо Українського коріння, котре подається вам на хвилі CHLY 101.7 FM у місті Нанайму. І з вами Оксана і Павліна. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo with your hosts Oksana and me, Pavlina. Matej Selecki is the director of a documentary named Baba Babi Skazala, which translates as A Grandmother Told a Grandmother. The film tells the little-known story of Ukrainian children torn from their homes in the crush between the Nazi and Soviet fronts in World War II. After spending a good part of their childhood as refugees in Europe, these inspiring individuals later immigrated to the United States. There they created new homes and communities through their grit, faith, and deep belief in the importance of preserving culture. This is Matei's first film, and he joins us now to tell us how the film came to be and how he came to be a filmmaker himself. Welcome, Matei. Thank you for coming on the show to tell us your story. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, we're talking to you about a film um, because you're a filmmaker, but you're actually also a professional figure skater. Your name is probably recognizable to fans of Stars on Ice. So I've actually been a competitive figure skater for my goodness, probably 21 years now. Um, that's crazy to think about. <laughs> um, but I've been most recently, my past few years of uh, professional skating, as well as teaching, I've actually been on a uh, television show called Dancing on Ice, uh, both with, in the UK as well as in the Netherlands. Um, so if you might know me from those two TV shows, um, but I've also been a competitive figure skater on the senior uh, international track. I was competing actually for Ukraine as well as Canada and the United States over the years, oh. um, shooting for the Olympics until I got injured. So, yeah, been around the block a few times with the skating side of things, but it's been a very you know, in-depth exploration and always a learning experience. And you're still teaching? Still teaching, still teaching, enjoy teaching. It's been very nice to be able to travel around and do choreography and um, meet a lot of really amazing athletes and, and personalities as well. So how did we segue then into your filmmaking and, and this particular topic uh, as your first film? I'm assuming that they have some relationship to each other? From I guess from the skating side of things, um, not necessarily, but... Uh, yeah, that's a that's a long answer, and I'll try to make it short to an extent. I ended up going to school at UC Berkeley, and um, there was an ice rink nearby, <laughs> so I, I skated and I went to school at the same time. But in regard to creating the documentary and how this came to fruition, um, I've always been interested in film and in, in design and graphic design, and and always being in that sort of entertainment field, if you will, and. Uh, I had a few occurrences, few situations happen um, actually throughout my college experience that just led me to a point of realizing the importance of my grandparents, uh, all of our grandparents, and really understanding where we've come from. And I had a I had a few little situations at school and being in a few classes where being Ukrainian was considered to be not be okay by my teachers, which was 
beyond ridiculous to me. And yeah, especially you know now yeah. <laughs> in this day and age. I, yeah, know, when I was young, exactly. maybe, when I was young, maybe, but not now. So that's that is shocking. It's very shocking, and um, this actually happened five years ago, five six years ago, and to think that even today, you know, we still have similar things going on. So that just is mind blowing. But um, this was a kind of a revelation in my life because I started to realize that in order for me to really be able to share properly where we come from, not just as us being Ukrainians, not just myself and my family, but all of us in this world to share where we come from, I felt like it wasn't respectful enough to just do oral, to just do a written. It needed to be something more. And that's why I decided on doing this mixed multimedia sort of presentation. And uh, it really has come forth from a greater, a larger project in, in hopes to be able to bring this into a museum context or share this in a greater exhibition space. But I'm very, very proud of having completed this documentary and everything it took along the way. I realized in the beginning I was, maybe I was in over my head. Uh, so to know that it has come to fruition and it has you know, received various awards along the way that I was not expecting to happen, um, it's, it really is meaningful and it, it hits the heart and it's amazing to hear the stories and, and see how these stories impact the family members and, and people who have never even heard these stories before. So you um, experienced discrimination yourself as a young person. And so you, I guess you could relate to people who suffered not only discrimination, but persecution um, because of who they were. Mm -hmm. And you, you mentioned your grandparents. You're very close to them. Were they um, survivors? How, how did you meet these people and, and find them and, and get them to open up to you? As the story went with my grandparents. So both of my grandparents actually experienced World War II just in a different way. Um, and I say both my grandparents, I actually, um, at this point in my life, it was there on my mother's side, uh, my grandfather and the mother on my father's side, my grandmother. And they, as I said, both experienced World War II in very different ways. In relation to how I ended up meeting the individuals that I did speak with, it really is a matter of Bobby Bobby's Kazala. It really was grandmother telling grandmother because having been in the DP camps for a lot of these Ukrainians, Polish, um, maybe even Lithuanians and otherwise, I mean, there's so many cross-cultural kind of situations happening during that DP time period. They met and they got introduced and they ended up they ended up mingling, creating community and sharing so much memories together that even though they came to the United States and they may have been dispersed, everyone still knows everybody. So yeah. Baba Baba's Kazala is not just, you know, the title of the documentary. It really is a, a state of, of being, a state of community, mm -hmm. if you will. And it's much more than just the sharing of stories or the sharing of, you know, in some cases, people would say rumors. It's really much more of a sharing of our oral history and where we come from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's how the, the web was connected. Uh, I would do a, a few interviews in one location and I'd finish an interview up and they'd say, uh, oh, I think so-and-so would be interested in doing this. And I'd say, oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
let so-and-so know. And then the next thing you know, that person saying, oh, let me get people in my community. And that's what led me from Florida to California to Arizona to Ohio, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Colorado, all across the United States here. And it's, I'll tell you what, it's really amazing to hear the stories and to be driving or flying all these ways and yet know that all these people came through certain look this certain area in the world at one given time yeah. to know that they've shared in something so specific yeah. and to find out all the different ways that they've responded it's it's really something beautiful to be honest now these were old people that you were interviewing already but the stories were about their childhoods and the horrors of experience during world war 2 how did they, I mean, when sometimes when people go through trauma, especially in childhood, and then really, you know, they don't address the PTSD, they don't get counseling, they just, you know, escape and mm-hmm. try to find a better life. And they kind of bury those things. And sometimes they don't want to talk about them because they're either they're painful or they're ashamed or and don't feel that anybody would be interested or things like mm-hmm. that. How did you encounter any of that kind of reluctance when you were interviewing these people? they would have had some horrible stories and experiences, I'm sure. Actually, yes, uh, I did. And uh, one of the first, just as an example, one of the first few interviews that I did was a brother and sister. And the sister I spoke with, and she, at the end, similar situation to what I was saying before, she said, hey, my brother is you know, right next door. Why don't we ask him if he'd be interested? Because I think it would be great to hear both of our stories. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what she said in Ukrainian. But, mm-hmm. you know, the brother, he was um, he was afraid, partially because there was a bit of his history that would, let's just say, put him at risk. Mm-hmm. And even to today, that risk still exists. Um, so to know that that's kind of alive, that, that there's that risk that's still living. I mean, that, as you said, there's the post-traumatic side of things, which I've also I had the opportunity to speak with. And a lot of times it's about just how you're doing the interview. And um, to, to kind of speak kind of lightly on, on this matter, there were many times where I would finish up an interview and maybe a family member was sitting there as well, just to kind of help facilitate at times or, or translate if necessary. And they would come up after me and say, They've never spoken to me about this before. They've never shared these things. It's just amazing that they would be so willing to share it with you. And I've been living with them for X years, and I've never heard a single word about this topic. Uh A big part of that is just psychologically the fact that we are always, as, as human beings, we end up being much more interested in sharing more about ourselves or the things that we find specific to ourselves with people that we've never known before or that we haven't really met. Um, as soon as, you know, there's somebody that might show a sense of interest that immediately sparks certain kind of hormones in our body that you know, we become more open naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one thing. But again, as I said, it is about how you end up doing the interview because you have to really, you have to kind of care. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that was in my pocket because I, I always felt like I wanted to understand better. But I also grew so much respect from what I had experienced in in college mm-hmm. for my grandparents and and for their you know their families and everything that they went through. Yeah, I think you had said something you had a problem with a professor. 
Yeah, I took an Imperial Soviet Russia class, and uh, it was taught by a German professor who ended up also having a Soviet professor herself. And I ended up using uh, Subtidny as a uh, source uh, for one of my final papers, and she would not accept him as a primary source because he was Ukrainian, quote-unquote. And I just boggled my brain because I just didn't understand how there could be that much discrimination. Well, and Oris Subtilny, I mean, um, one of the biggest names in Ukrainian scholarship, uh, well, a few years passed away now, but um, he, huge name, Canadian um, from uh, Montreal, I believe, and just mm-hmm. a huge scholar. I mean, he was somebody I revered because I learned so much in my studies uh, through university. And and to hear that um, in, in the United States, uh, such disrespect for a Canadian and Ukrainian scholar is is shocking. So recently, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, so so good. well. So I understand where you're coming from. That's why I'm doing this show, you know, uh, into my third, fourth decade now, uh, for that very reason. Because these stories have to be told. And um, back to your story, though. Um, your interviews, the documentaries done in English. So the interviews uh, within the documentary actually were both English and Ukrainian. And within the documentary, there are subtitles, Mm -hmm. uh, English subtitles for the Ukrainian parts. Um, I really, even though I admit my Ukrainian is not the strongest, I really wanted to do these interviews in a way that the individuals would feel comfortable. Whether it was Ukrainian, whether it was English, that's fine just needed to be that they could share the story, how they saw it, and how they remembered it. Right, right. So your film debuted in 2018, I believe? Oh, now you're making me think. <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> okay, so... You know, it's funny how the years just go by. Yeah, so, it's... Yes, help- in 2018. Yeah, okay. And since then, it's won several awards. Um, tell Congratulations, and tell us um, about, about some of the awards that the film's received. So um, thank you very much. Uh, very happy to say that the, one of the first uh, awards we received was an honorable mention at the New Jersey Film Festival in the fall of 2018. So that was, you know, just to receive uh, an award like that, um, especially when it's an honorable mention, because, because that means that it's gone mm-hmm. beyond just a selection. Right. Um, that, that feels pretty amazing. Um, but you know, uh, as the years went on, you know, I'm very honored to, you know, the, the documentary received actually the um, opportunity to be at the Brukyovka International Film Festival in Ukraine and be a finalist there. To just have that international sort of recognition yeah. is amazing. And then to also have it be at the uh, Ethnogra Film, which was held in Paris and France and be the official selection. Alongside with there, we became the official selection at the Swindon Independent Film Festival, um, Soma Film Festival in um, in 2020 here, actually, uh, Liftoff Global Network Documentary Filmmaker Showcase. Um, I'm going off the top of my wow. head here, wow. I think, as well, the <laughs> Festival of Cinema in New York City, um, Best Documentary, actually, at that. So quite a few at this point, right. and it's... It's amazing to look back and and yeah. sort of see all the laurels at this point and say, yeah. "Wow, this this actually did that." 
Excellent. Let's do that. Excellent. What is your old professor from? Um, was it Berkeley? UC Berkeley. What is your? Uh-huh. What yeah. is your? What is your? Um, uh, dis- bigoted professor saying now yeah i don't know (laughs) we haven't stayed in contact (laughs) well that's understandable i suppose (laughs) anyways uh congratulations again on on the awards thank you and um so how can people that don't have access to these festivals how can somebody say in british columbia or um south america (laughs) see your film so uh if you have access to the um, to the internet, you would be able to find the film at kitsunitailproductions.com. Um, that's actually uh, that's my production company, but it houses pretty much just Baba Bobby's Kazala, and that's where you can find all of the information about Baba Bobby's Kazala and more. Um, there's the opportunity to also purchase a DVD or Blu-ray, as well as if a community is interested, they can host a screening and they can inquire with uh, myself, uh, with the Kitsune Tail Productions to host a screening and we will help make that happen with the community as well. We have a lot that we can share and a lot of helpful information in order to make that happen. Uh, and we've been working with a few different locations as well currently and making that happen online. So great we're very flexible and we're adapting to the times well yeah nowadays of course uh with with the lockdown everybody's moving to digital so um i can see that it could be lots of uh, lots of potential lots of possibilities so people would contact you then it's kitsune is k-i-t-s-u-n-e tales t-a-l-e productions k-i-t-s-u-n-e t-a-l-e productions.com. Okay, great. And so right now you said that's uh, that's all that's there f- um, at the moment, mostly Baba Bobby Skazala. Big project though, so I'm sure it keeps you pretty busy. And uh, do you have another project in mind regarding I film? do actually. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's been a little hindered <laughs> recently due to uh mm-hmm. COVID, mm-hmm. but um I've had a project that it's come to the forefront uh, of my mind that I, that I really want to pursue, especially after everything that's been going on at this point. Um, I feel like the relevance of the situation is very important and it combines two cultures that are very near and dear to my heart, both the uh, Japanese culture as well as obviously Ukrainian culture. Mm. Um, I've, I've, had the opportunity to to train in figure skating in Japan when I was much younger. And the short story is that has forever stuck with me. And I've learned a lot of very interesting things that tie our two cultures together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm without giving too much more information. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I'm planning on pursuing post COVID whenever that might be. Okay, well that sounds no. sounds very interesting. So, um good luck with that and uh, good luck Thank with you. good luck with continuing to promote uh, Baba Bobby's Kazala. Um it's a it's a story that needs to be shared far and wide. Um lots of lessons to be learned, I think, uh through that film. It's about what an hour, it's a documentary, so it's about an hour or so. 
Um, hour and nine minutes. Hour and nine minutes. Okay. In case we want to be exact. <laughs> okay. So, um, again, people can reach you through kutsunitailproductions.com to, um, find out more about the film, to purchase a DVD for themselves or, uh, arrange mm-hmm. for a screen, a screening in their own, uh, community. Correct. Okay. We are on Instagram as well. Uh, as well as under Katsuni Tail Productions. You can find a lot more information uh, there. We keep it up to date over time. Katsuni Tail Productions. Okay, so and so you Google, Instagram, you're on Twitter, which is how we met. <laughs> so easy to find you. So thanks so much, uh, Matei, for taking the time to speak with us. And uh, thank you for producing Baba Bobby Scazzala and preserving these stories for the historical record. All the best to you and look forward to hearing about uh, your next film. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Proshu. And from now until October 24th, you can virtually screen Matei's film, Baba Bobby's Kazala. The Canadian premiere is sponsored by St. Vladimir Institute in Toronto. Tickets are just $15. You can click on the link, get your ticket, and watch at your convenience during the scheduled time, October 14th to 24th. There's a scheduled Q&A with the director available for the first 100 registrants. The link will be in the podcast show notes of this episode of Nash Holis, and you can also go to the website of St. Vladimir Institute, stvladimir.ca. Там шугає та канечі, що гріхи дивитись. Ой, гойдерці, дерці, ой, гойдерці, дерці. Там шугає та канечі, що гріхи дивитись. Чорта роги, круто роги, очі як лещата. Жінка в нього чорна жаба, бридка та бусата. Ой, гойдерці, дерці, ой, гойдерці, дерці. От такі жінки в пенсарстві гвайні молодиці. Ой, гойдерці, дерці, ой, гойдерці, дерці. От такі жінки в пенсарстві гвайні Бати та багатий хоче кльову дівку, може їй платити златом та водить до шинку. Ой, ой, дриці, дриці, ой, ой, дриці, дриці, не ходи, горись на гору, а чекай на бриниця. Ой, ой, дриці, дриці, ой, ой, дриці, дриці, не ходи, горись на гору, а чекай на бриниця. popular group from Ukraine called Mandre with a song all about a girl named Oresia. Coming up next, bringing it closer to home, we have the Interlake Polka Kings and the Happy Times Shotties. (laughs) ¶¶ 
Slušajte radio programu Naš Holos Radio Našeho Korinja na kvali CHLY 101.7 FM u mjestu Nenajmo. Cijelo denu bila s vama Pavlina, zaraz predaju mikrofonu Oksani. Ali pred tem je hoću izalešati vas tijekima slovama mudrosti. Toj što komus zaveduje, ničoho z toho ne skoristaje. And our proverb of the week translates as he who is envious of another never gains anything. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Pavlina and my time with you is up. Oksana will be here at the top of the hour to host the rest of the show. Thanks for listening. Dozusrichi. <laughs>
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.